This is The Next Level, a brand new show on the Packet Pushers community channel where real network professionals charge into difficult IT management situations, lead from the front, and get it right. Join us as we ask the hard questions that most people are too afraid to ask and figure out how to drive the positive change you want to see. We'll take you from the CLI to CIO. I'm Damian Hoising from Packet Brigade. You can find me on Twitter at Packet Brigade. And I'm Drew Conry-Murray from the Packet Pushers, and I'm on Twitter at Drew underscore CM. Uh, do you remember your last good or bad experience with an IT manager or a direct report? On today's episode, we're going to talk about what makes a good or bad manager in, in terms of management style. And we're going to talk about how management style manifests in networking teams and how managers can improve their management styles. Joining us today is David Kaiser, Service Delivery Manager at Akron General. Dave, please introduce yourself and tell the audience a bit about your technical and business background. Hi, my name is Dave Kaiser. Uh, I've been in management probably going on 25 years at different levels, um, anywhere from a shift manager at a, at a restaurant to uh, I was a vice president of operations for a company called Amos Data Systems. And most recently, I was uh, director of operations at, at NetPlus. Started working with Akron General about three months ago to uh, improve their their service delivery option. Uh, also joining us is Tony Lupus. He's Network Engineering Manager at FactSet Research Systems. Uh, Tony, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background? Sure. My name is Tony Lupus, uh, and as as Drew said, I'm, I'm, I manage our network engineering department or co-manage it. I've been managing for about four years now. Started with, with FactSet about seven years, so I moved into management. Um, and I started as an individual contributor. And so we manage all of uh, FactSet's network infrastructure, data centers, corporate offices, everything, everything from DNS load balancers. Yeah, many things our listeners will be very familiar with. So today, gentlemen, I was hoping to start off the agenda just to kind of define what is management style and what's good and bad about it. I thought first we could discuss this one definition from Wikipedia that seemed fairly succinct and see what you like about it and what's missing. So I'm just going to read it real quick and then I'll have you guys chime in. Management styles are characteristic ways of making decisions and relating to subordinates. Management styles can be categorized into two main contrasting styles, autocratic and permissive. So I'll open it up to you guys. Do you think that captures what management style is? Yeah. So it, it definitely captures the different styles. I guess what's missing from that are really what, what, what we're going to talk about and kind of what makes, what makes those styles effective uh, in certain scenarios and what makes them extremely ineffective. But other than that, it, it, it is definitely succinct. I agree with that. For me, it's about personality. So if we're going to talk about management styles, what in your definition is, is, is a good management style? Does that mean driving more value from a team? Is it what's good for the business? Is it what's good for customers? Is it what's good for employees? It's good for everybody as much as possible. You know, it's got to be a win-win and it's, you know, it's definitely got to be good for the company. But I've, I've always felt that if you value the, the employees, you know, give them the ability to kind of manage themselves almost and they will tend to do what you need for the company. I think what makes a good management style is, is balance right? A management style that is good for the business. And you know, as David said, good for everybody, good for business, good for customers, good for employees is, is probably going to be the most effective, right? A manager who pushes employees a little too far for 
their customers or for the business won't really have employees for very long. Uh, yeah, so, term. Yep. yep. So definitely balance is, is key. So to, to contrast, what are signs of a bad management style? So you mentioned, you know, you're not having employees for long. So tur- high turnover could be an indication of a bad management style. What are some other symptoms or warning signs that the management style isn't working? I think you'll hear uh, employees talking. You know, there'll be banter and, and you'll see it in people's faces and expressions. Yeah, de- definitely a visible lack of, of any kind of, of passion or motivation could be a big, big tell. Um, hopefully, and you kind of you kind of hope they'll actually come forward and say, hey, this, this isn't working. And they'll try to work with you on trying to find a good uh, management style that works for everybody. But I, I really think it's the lack of motivation. And, and turnover, certainly you'll, you'll, you'll see them trying to leave or trying to look for opportunities elsewhere. I'm curious, have you ever had someone come up to you, uh, a subordinate, and say this isn't working? Or have you in a subordinate position ever gone to a manager to say your, your style isn't working? That seems like kind of a risky move. In a, yes, I have. Um, I've, I've had to solicit it um, and said, hey, you know what, I've actually solicited. I've said, you know, what is working, what isn't, you know. Um, and usually if you solicit it, and you kind of break the ice, people will start to, to talk a little bit and, and you'll kind of understand, you know, what's the most effective way to communicate feedback to them and things like that. So, um, if you've, I've solicited it and have, and I have gotten, uh, subordinates to actually explain to me what really works for them. So you're saying as a manager role, you've gone to your reports and said, can you communicate with me? Can you give me feedback on what's working? What's not? Yes. Yep. You know, whereas I've had people who, who I've asked the same questions to and they said, nope, everything's fine. And then, you know, poofed, they're gone. So (laughs) clearly something wasn't and they weren't willing to really come forward with it. I can share a little bit of an anecdote to, to highlight what Tony's saying and that I did have a, a time where someone came to me after a meeting and said, yeah, this didn't really work out, so go over so well. <laughs> so, it, so it does happen, and it is very useful feedback. And in that particular case, I think I was just a little bit too far off the mark from where we were as a group. For example, I was trying to go over Seth Godin's Ship It Journal as a sort of a mental framework for project management. And we were already just so far from being organized as a group that it was just a little bit too much of a stretch that they tort- sort of took it as like a too corporate or, or whatever. And uh, fortunately, somebody was kind enough after the meeting to come and tell me about it. I, I think that, you know, maybe ties into a bigger conversation about culture. If you as a manager and the organization as a whole has created an atmosphere where, you know, feedback is encouraged and respected and, you know, responded to. That's right. It it definitely has to to kind of be in line with the culture, right? If, if no one's ever asked for feedback before and you call one of your reports into the office and say, hey, what can I do better? You're going to be like, uh, what? <laughs> no, nothing, you're great. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> Every so, yeah, decision it, is golden. Exactly, exactly. So if you encourage that atmosphere of, of constant feedback in both directions, then, you know, being able to ask those questions and, and get good conversations started uh, is much easier. So maybe we can broaden the the definition of good management style in terms of balance to be not just balanced in terms of the uh, different contrasting approaches of management styles, but also balanced with the the company and the culture and the maturity level of the organization. Now that we've kind of defined what we think management style is, what's good and what's bad, let's talk about how it actually manifests in the workplace. One thing that comes to mind in this subject is 
when talking about working with individual direct reports, do you have to have a different style for each personality, for each person in the organization? You know, if you've got some self-starters uh, that don't need permission and if you've got folks who maybe need a little bit more direction, do you guys feel like as managers that you need to moderate how you interact individually or can you just sort of do one thing with everybody? I absolutely moderate based on on the individual. And you may find certain individuals will go through an, kind of like an ebb and flow. It's like one one month they're they're hitting it at all levels and don't need much guidance and then they go through you know bad patch at home or something and the, you know they tend to go off the deep end you know so it i've seen all all over the place as far as that goes but typically you will find some people need a little bit more direction and actually feel comfortable with that um, and then other people do a lot better without the guidance or without, you know, the micromanagement or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the same. I, I definitely cater my style to the individual and what's most effective for them. For some of my reports, I have, they like to be on their own. They'll just do what they do. And, and when they have a question, they'll come to me. Or if they need authorization or approval for something, they'll come to me. Others kind of want to run their design really bit for bit over with me before they actually execute it. And, and that's both are both are fine. But yeah, they're, it's different styles. And I usually try to adapt myself to them. I wondered if that might be generalized a little bit to cover not just their communication style, but their experience level, maybe also, for example, if you have a new hire out of college, they may be looking for more validation, they may need more some more guidance than someone who's been in the industry for 10 years. And so the situation a little bit, you may have somebody that's been in the, the industry, but if they haven't been in your environment, they may not have a good grasp or may not fit entirely at that moment. So you have to guide them from a personality standpoint versus, you know, tactful or, you know, however they deal with things on a day-to-day basis. How does management style affect the way managers train and motivate their employees and and sort of telling them, okay, this is how we do it here. Can we think of some examples? I'll throw it out to Tony first. Sure. Yep. So for the self-starters, really, I, uh, I'll give them a, you know, a project with a good amount of, of moving parts and I'll give them, I'll give them the freedom to come up with the, you know, the project plan first and then say, let's meet and go over your, your plan before you, you know, you spend cycles and then have to possibly redo something. I'll give them really almost all free reigns on coming up with that plan and that outline. And then we'll come back and talk about that for someone who isn't as, as much of a self-starter. Perhaps I'll, I'll fill out more of that plan for them and let them kind of come up with the more with smaller uh, individual like mini components and design that. So it, it is an amount of, I guess, of micromanaging that I do for those who are self-starters and those who aren't. You know, also folks in industry too will come from, you know, a background and, and an atmosphere from their old job. And you'll have to train them and kind of get them used to the atmosphere that you operate in in at your company or at your at your business. So there's also a kind of training there and kind of getting them used to the processes that your business operates on. David, did you want to weigh in? No, I, I agree with that. So thinking about motivation, I mean there's a, there's a couple of things that, you know, sort of basic motivations like, you know, money, feeling of self-worth, that kind of thing. Do you have a sense of it, are you cognizant of those things when you're talking to people and when you're trying to 
manage someone maybe through a rough patch or for someone who doesn't seem to be giving all that you assume they could give or think they could give that, you know, are, are there things you turn to like salary or other ways to say, hey, maybe we need to put something on the table here to get a little bit more out of you? I tend to shy away from that. I, I prefer to deal with the situation straight up rather than try to bonus somebody or try to increase their salary, try to motivate them through positive reassurance and potentially other methods, depending on where they're at on the spectrum. You know, are they a good performer and you're looking for better performance or are they a bad performer and you need to get them up to the level of everybody else? And you just have to judge, you know, they're there to do a job. And if they're not not doing that job, then you need to um, have that discussion with them and bring them in line. But I, I don't I don't typically use carrots like that. You know, understanding the overall goals of, of the group and, and where we need to be, kind of go from there. It, it, what I found is people, you know, they take pride in their work and they, they want to do do good. You just have to enable them to, to do that. I, I find it the rare that people are underperforming and they're doing it on purpose or they're just slacking or whatever. There's usually something in there. Let's say you have someone who turns out to need a lot of micromanaging, right? Like in the beginning, it's uh, it's obvious they're coming up to speed. They're learning the culture of the group. They're going to need some help. But, you know, nine months, a year into the job, and they're still needing to be micromanaged. Um, how does a manager deal with that? And does that way they deal with it dif- differ based on their style? It's definitely part of, of setting expectations, which is, which is really the, which is really, I think, the other 50% of the most important things about um, of good management style is is setting expectations and, and of course communications and transparency and in that balance right so from the from the get-go a new person may need more micromanaging than and more of a veteran but you should from the very get-go set the expectation that as you get further and further into your career and as you as you undertake more projects that the expectation is you begin to manage them more yourself and help them learn how to do that if they don't really have much experience in doing that and giving them the opportunity to do that. But it's definitely about setting expectation. And if they're not meeting that expectation, then it's it's kind of you have to have that exploratory conversation and figuring out, you know, what are they having the difficulty, what part of managing their their workload and their and their projects are they having difficulty with and try to kind of give them and try to teach them how to do it essentially yeah i have a good example i had a a, a guy that was hired to do a, a position and while he had the technical skills to do the position he uh for one reason or another just really didn't do that good at it he uh you know kept going towards a, another direction and you know, had the discussion with him, and and we changed his position uh, to get him into something that maybe suited him a little bit better. And he he kind of thrived from there, and really did a good job. So it it may be fit as well, you know. And are they they really suited for that job, or are they suited for something else entirely different? Yep, that's actually a good segue to the next question about. When you're working with subordinates, when is it appropriate to solicit their input or bring them in on decision-making, maybe even give them some ownership on some decisions, like maybe formulating a solution for a customer? And when does the manager just have to say, 
okay, uh, this is what's happening. This is the way we're going to do it. And today is not a democracy. Today, we're just going to have to do it this way. So as a manager of, of networking professionals, I like to solicit feedback for most, most of my decisions. But the days that are not democracy are usually outages. When we're in the middle of we're trying to recover from an outage. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's very much less please and thank you. Or what do you think other than, uh, okay, we need to do this. You do this. You do this. Get this. Let me know when you're done with this. Fast pace, a bit more direct, less, less democratic. Autocratic military style chain of command where people are taking action and not questioning. Um, yeah, that, that's really not the time for teaching. You know, it, it's, it's not, you can circle back after you've remediated whatever's going on and say, okay, I did this for this reason or whatnot, or this could have been done differently here. And then that's all very, very, very worthwhile. But the moment to do that is not during, you know, any such outage. It's, it's really after the fact. Other than that, usually I try to, as best as I can, solicit feedback on the decisions I make, especially ones that will affect my whole team. David, how about you? I, I agree with that. You know, there is a time and place. And some of the more difficult decisions or ones that there's disagreement upon, you you need to step up and, and make a decision. I think kind of going back to the what what is a bad manager. Bad manager in, in my experience is one that doesn't have the ability to to make a decision and move forward with things. Uh, you have to you have to be able to do that and accept the fact that there's gonna be bad decisions. Uh, and you just have to own up to it and move on. How can managers actually improve their style? So whether it's someone who's aspiring to tweak their style or change their style or to grow and blend their style, is this something that anybody can learn or do you have to have a certain innate qualities, a certain gene to be a good manager? I think it comes naturally to certain folks uh, more so than others, but I think everyone can be a good manager if they really are paying attention to what they're doing, what they're saying, um, how they're saying it is also important. If people really learn to, to kind of, I guess, feel that, if that makes sense, then anyone can do it. I, I somewhat agree. Uh, I, I think there are some people that just aren't really meant to be managers. And it, it's really got to be a passion for what you're doing. Just kind of like anything in anybody's career, I guess. But uh, you have to be able to, who are the good managers in your lives that you deal with and and watch and, and learn off of them uh, is is what I've done. I don't know if I'm, I, I think I'm classified as a, a good manager. At least I've been told that. But, you know, it's, it's looking at who I think is a good manager and who, who I think is a bad manager and looking at the traits and what they're doing and adjusting and, you know, learning. I feel I've, I've learned a lot over my, my time. And one of the big things is patience, not re overreacting or reacting, but kind of understanding situations and taking it in and listening to people and then go from there. And for you guys as managers, has was there any specific training you went through, like quote-unquote management training or certifications or degrees, or is it more just experience and having been managed yourself and observing and, and sort of coming up in the workforce that informed how you do your work as a manager? Uh, so a, l a little bit of both. Um, Faxit has a very good um, management training program. It's all internal that all managers are required to participate in and, and take. And the material, the material there is very, very good. Um, and a lot of it is also experience, learning, learning on the job there. 
Do you have a sense of what is it that you thought was good about the official training? Just the techniques they teach you on on really effective feedback. They do all those that, that role playing stuff that really gives you a chance to try some scenario. They're kind of a little campy, but they are helpful in that it does it does give you the chance to practice something and then realize that oh you know what this this really isn't the best way and you know this is how I've been handling it and it's really not even I can now see myself it's not that effective and I'll try something different I'll try one of these styles so there is definitely value in taking training courses degrees and any kind of training you can get there's some value there's a lot of value in that mm-hmm. um but you can't replace experience either because all those training scenarios that are, are very kind of made up and, and perfect for the example, they're, they're not necessarily going to be exactly how they play out in real life. And in real life, you'll, you'll learn to think on your feet a little more. And experience will teach you that. It's time for Sanity Check segment where we listen to real engineers questions like why the heck does my manager do this thing that drives me nuts names have been changed to protect the innocent and here's a question that came in from a listener my boss asked our team to use text messages for brief yes no communications during the day i prefer email but he told us not to be on email all day what does my boss have against email i would i would recommend having a conversation and asking you know what what's the motivation there for wanting to push things toward text messaging Again, that would be one of those decisions that are affecting the workflow of the whole team. And definitely, if, if other folks are not, it's not driving with other folks, it, it'd be definitely a good idea to have that conversation with your manager and, and kind of say, hey, this, this, this workflow or these, these text messages, they're really not, they're not working out as well as email. And, and try to kind of find something else that might work other than email, or if, if there's a problem with email, or just go back to email. I think, you know, try it out and see how it works, give them the benefit of the doubt. But if you have some legitimate reasons why it's not effective, you should definitely let your manager know. Yeah, I'm surprised that the, the I would almost expect the question to have been flipped around given the generational differences that, you know, younger folks going into the job market these days are probably more tech-centric than they are email-centric. Another question says, during a monthly staff meeting, a conflict on an issue arose between staff members from different departments. The staff members went back and forth arguing about whether or not to move forward with an issue, and it caused the group to be distracted from the agenda and the meeting ran over. The executive in charge of both departments was at the meeting. Why didn't he jump in to decide or table the matter instead of letting the argument staff ramble, arguing staff ramble on? That's a tough one. I, I think this goes back to something David said earlier, that a good manager is someone who knows how to make a decision. Uh, mm-hmm. This seems like a case. I mean, I, I guess we've all been in meetings that just have gotten out of control, and maybe it's that the scenario was set up that there wasn't anyone necessarily in charge of the meeting, so no one felt comfortable just stepping in and saying, all right, let's just table this and, and move on. I don't know, but um, it, it is a lousy situation to be in. Yeah, I agree. I think everyone's kind of sat through meetings like that, and really it isn't until somebody steps in and says, okay, you know, this, this really isn't going anywhere. Let's, let's you know, table that discussion for somewhere else. You know, that's, that's management. That's as much management as it is leadership as well. And I don't think you even have to be a manager to really to be able to step in there and say, hey, this is not productive really for anybody here. And that's a really good point, Tony. So someone, anybody in the meeting really could step up and say something. Sure. Like that. Um, and it can be done in a respectful way, but just sort of to nudge it in the right direction. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, that, that's, that's more leadership really than even management. That's, and, and you don't have to be a manager really to be, to be a good leader. 
you know, obviously one possibility is that maybe there's some more political entanglements and more backstory than than other people are privy to that maybe the executive knows. Maybe there's a couple different level management levels between the staff that are arguing and the and the executive. Maybe they have different managers and even different directors, and so he'd be kind of undercutting his the executive may be undercutting his staff by jumping in and making a decision. But I I can't see any reason why they wouldn't have him table it. I'm gonna jump in with a couple more ideas, and one's more benign and one's a little bit more cruel. But um, maybe this person was sort of seeing this debate as an opportunity to gather information, you know, about the tenor of the issue. And so just wanted to let that argument go to see how people were coming down and, and what issues were coming up and uh, you know, just sort of getting information, you know, taking the temperature of folks. Um, on the more cruel side, maybe they just thought this would be sort of a fun Hunger Games kind of, let's, <laughs> let's watch these few folks battle it out and see who, see who emerges victorious. The takeaway is kind of what Tony said is that, hey, you don't have to be a manager to be a good leader and that anybody can speak up and nudge it in the right direction, in this case, tabling the conversation. Yeah, I think that's a fantastic point that leadership doesn't require management experience. Well, if you find yourself frustrated or scratching your head about something that your IT management's doing and you want to ask us about it, you can send us an email at nextlevel at packetbrigade.com, or you can use the anonymous SurveyMonkey link in the show notes. And just remember, all sources will be kept confidential and we will never use real names on the air. Thanks for joining us on The Next Level. I'm Damien Hoising. You can contact me at DamienHoising at PacketBrigade.com. And I'm Drew Connery-Murray. You can find my work on PacketPushers.net, and you can follow me on Twitter at Drew underscore CM. And Tony, how can folk get in touch with you? Yep. So you can get in touch with me via email at TonyLupus at gmail.com. So TonyLupus, all one word. And if you have any questions or any management scenarios that I think I can offer advice on, I'm happy to do so. Feel free to shoot me over an email. Uh, And for our audience, we'd love to get your feedback on the show. You can leave comments on the blog post that accompanies this podcast on Packet Pushers or drop us a line at nextlevel at packetbrigade.com. Thanks for listening.